how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. So is TikTok actually going to get banned? And where do all the creators go if that happens? Also on this episode, we're going to be talking about verification badges. You may have noticed that a lot of platforms are starting to make creators pay not only for verification, but also to show up on the platforms. Welcome to Creator Support, the show where we answer your questions about the business of being a creator. All right, our first question comes from YouTube from Life with Sienna. She says, what do you guys think about the TikTok ban? So the TikTok ban is not a new thing. No, it is not. It's been talked about for years. And this version of it, I mean, I was almost hesitant to talk about it because I was like, how real is it? We've been, we've been hearing about this for years. But it does feel different this time around. And I think the TikTok ban is coming at a time where all social platform, everything, on, everything about the platforms is feeling really different in this exact moment. Yeah, I'll say the ban is not new. It's something that obviously when President Trump brought it up, mm-hmm. it was like, is this real? This seems crazy. Yeah. But it is new in the sense that I don't think we've ever had a platform like this that 150 million Americans, specifically young Americans, are extremely active on that is owned by a Chinese company. Mm-hmm and the U.S. is potentially going to ban it. Like, that is unique. The moment I realized it was real was when the CEO of TikTok took to TikTok to advocate for TikTok. Mm-hmm. When, when that happened, I was like, oh, are they concerned? Yeah. And when I saw him do that, when he, he took to his own platform to, to kind of make his case, it, it, it was this kind of odd thing to watch. Mm-hmm. It felt like a Hail Mary. Yeah. Like he's posting a TikTok. I didn't even know what he looked like before I saw that. Right. And he's at Capitol Hill being like, guys, we all really like this thing, right? (laughs) A lot of Americans use it. I'm here. Help me out. And now he's been posting regularly on TikTok. He throws on a cool hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just a cool, normal guy making TikToks. So additionally, TikTok also flew out a bunch of creators. Mm Mm-hmm to Washington, D.C. And we had a writer on the ground there, Nate, um, who writes for the published press, who was actually chatting with some of the creators and being like, you know, how's everyone feeling? What's going on? And, you know, this this world of a potential ban on TikTok, I think signifies like a, a really big marker in the creator economy from all these careers were built during the pandemic, like during 2020, 2019, mm-hmm. like these careers were built on this platform. And the concept that it's taken away kind of shakes the premise of the, I would say the promise of the creator economy of like kind of anyone can make it, anyone can build because people built millions of followers on -hmm. TikTok. It felt like the platform that people were able to like skyrocket. And there's a lot of money that's spent on TikTok from an advertising perspective. So it's, it's a big economic driver for the creator economy, but also for the U.S. economy. I feel like it's just a marker as well of this for you style, short form vertical content that during yeah. the pandemic, it was this new format similar to Snapchat stories Yeah, that everyone became enthralled with. People were building careers on 
And then all of a sudden you start seeing that feed on Instagram. You mm-hmm. see it on Facebook. Yeah. YouTube has a version. Snapchat has Spotlight. Spotify has a version of it now. Netflix has a version of it now. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's arguably one of the most influential innovations in entertainment in the yeah. past. I mean, since probably Facebook. Like It, it they're, turned they're, social media into more of a TV style lean back experience where yeah. creators are now filling time on a singular screen, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like mm-hmm. you're just scrolling and you're filling time for the people on the other end who are yeah. voraciously sort of scrolling through and looking from one thing to another. So let's talk about the realities of the ban. I, I don't know that, like I can't really speak that much to if I think it's real or not. A lot of creators have reached out to me and been like, hey, is this gonna happen? And I'm like, I, I don't really know. Yeah. But I think we have to prepare for it to happen. Now there's arguments on both sides. Um, AOC to took to TikTok to talk about why it shouldn't happen. And she mentioned kind of this, this broader problem of data privacy, which is also something the TikTok CEO mentioned in the congressional hearing of saying like, listen, we're not doing anything different from what the US companies are doing. Yeah. But what they're doing different is they're not US owned. Um, but that also brings up another question of like, you know, what 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 is the problem that's that TikTok is creating? It's just dis- it's discomfort, right? Discomfort of like data being owned by a foreign government, essentially, or a foreign company that has ties to a foreign government. Yeah, so Professor Scott Galloway, who's a teacher at NYU and someone who's super active uh, talking about these issues, brought up, you know, a point that with this much access to American teens, couldn't TikTok from China sort of like slowly ramp up anti-American sure. sentiment and yeah. hate on the app. Wouldn't yeah. that make sense? And he says, and that, that's more of like the nationalist, more extremist sure. view, but that is the concern of politicians in Washington is that uh, this data will be used for harm against Americans. Well, that brings up a really important thing that I think we all have to zoom out. Like AOC in her TikTok said that this is unprecedented. I actually think that there's comps because what Galloway is talking about is like, TikTok has become a culture driver. It's become a vehicle to spread ideology. You know, like it, it really is very similar to in the 1930s, what movies were like mm-hmm. in America, where that was the only media that we could consume. That's where ideology came from. And did movies get banned in the 1930s in the US? Absolutely. Yeah. Or even like rap music, yeah. uh, video games that were graphic, right? I think what's happening here is that TikTok has managed to grab hold of a singular conversation in a way that Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts uh, yeah. do not. Like TikTok has this ability to feel unified in terms of, you know, lots of people can open up and sure their For You pages might be slightly different, but there is like a pulse of the For You page, Yeah, right? Where like trends come in and they are trends across the nation yeah, that I think people are latching onto. And I think because of the pace of TikTok, it can do that. YouTube, Instagram, they haven't seemed to figure out that style of hold on every audience member, every single user. Like TikTok is a different beast. It is more powerful. Yes. And it is every social platform has a manual component to it, right? It's not strictly algorithmic. Like, you know, when the TikTok CEO gets on TikTok's account, is there a reason it's on everyone's for you page? Is that an algorithmic reason that it's on everyone's for you page? Yeah. Or is that a manual reason that it's on everyone's for you page? So then you you start to recognize that if you can drive culture and ideology, who's controlling that, right? Like who who is in charge of being like, yeah, we can actually influence what everyone sees, what 150 million mm-hmm. Americans see. And again, I think it's 
the closest comp is when there wasn't as much media and there was just books and movies. And when there was books and movies in the radio, people believed what was on the radio, right? Or, or in a movie. And that's why the government stepped in and Fahrenheit 451, you know, like that got banned. That's a book that got banned in the US uh, and got heavily censored. Kind of ironic because it's about censorship, but like this has happened before. It's not unprecedented for the US to step in and be like, that's dry, that's controlling too much of ideology in the conversation. We need to either have more control over it or it needs to go away. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually don't think this is unprecedented, uh, but I do think it, it showcases that TikTok has become the epicenter of youth culture in the US. Mm -hmm. And that is scary to not be controlled by the US. Yeah, it would be in the best interest yeah. of America for American culture yeah. to be spread by an American platform, even if they are grabbing our data sure. and selling it to places, not yeah. handling it correctly. The government obviously would rather that mm -hmm. be in the hands of yeah. an American company. So let's talk about this from a creator lens now. Like, what does this mean for creators? Because this is now feeling more possible than ever to me. And there are creators who have built their career. Of course, you know, we've said, other people have said, hey, if you're building your career on a social platform, you're building that career on rented land. You are renting mm -hmm. it from someone else. There's another landlord. And that landlord in this situation is about to get evicted. <laughs> yeah. And that means you can't live in this place anymore. What do you do as a creator? I do think there are comps for this as well. Obviously, Vine was not to the degree of TikTok when mm. it comes to adoption and popularity. Yeah. But Vine was shut down. Yeah. And a lot of those creators moved to YouTube. I think like creativity will move to a different platform. That's not to say the businesses won't take a serious hit. hit. Yeah. And some will go away. And some will completely go away yeah. if this happens. There's no doubt that like some people will not be able to rebuild the following and the business that they had. But the people that have brands yes. that are post-platform that exist in the absence of uploading will have a better shot of continuing uh, their businesses. Yeah. I think you have to, if you're a TikTok creator right now, I think you have to take a really hard look at who are you uh, outside of TikTok. Like, do people talk about you outside of TikTok? How do people talk about you outside of TikTok? Mm -hmm. Like, what is, who are you outside of TikTok? Um, yeah. Are you just someone who plays into the For You page? You know, if you're, if you're providing good content to the For You page, and you can catch a wave whenever, you know, a trend hits or you have a good video that hits, you might be in a not great situation. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who people can close their eyes and be like, oh, that creator talks about X or, mm -hmm. you know, does this, then you might have a chance to, to move your audience right now and to and distribute your audience. I think that's going to be more important now than ever because I do feel like we're at a bit of an inflection point for the relationship between creators and platforms with even... Twitter announcing that, you know, mm. in order to show up yes. uh, in their For You style page, you're going to have to pay for verification. Instagram said the same type of thing. Mm -hmm. If you want to show up in search, you have to pay for verification. We're at this stage where I don't know if platforms see creators as much as the lifeblood of the platform, as much as potential customers. Now. Now, yeah. right? It used to be like, there's brands and they pay us to connect to creators yeah. and to connect to content. And then creators, like they're the ones who are the lifeblood. So, well, so we give them favorable terms. Yeah. I actually think it was, okay, there's a platform and there's advertisers. Okay. How do we reach advertisers? How do we make sure 
that advertisers are happy. Advertisers are happy if audiences are there. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we get audiences? Well, we distribute content creation amongst everyone. And then we reward content creation because they're bringing audiences that we can then sell to advertisers, mm -hmm. right? And so Meta and Facebook never figured out how to reward content creators properly, but recognized that content creators were getting rewarded through brands like circumventing the platform, mm -hmm. right? YouTube figured that out. YouTube was like, okay, we can figure it out. TikTok never really, you know, yeah. solved it. But I think the thing that you have to be cautious of as a creator right now is the the maybe false hope of what you think is a reward, which is high viewership, high following, that actually potentially isn't, you know, building a business. Yeah. Like you might be building millions of followers and millions of views, but you might not be building a brand mm -hmm. on TikTok. And I think you, everyone has to take a really hard look at that right now of like, okay, I gained 2 million followers on TikTok and 500,000 people watch every one of my TikToks. Is that because of TikTok or is that because of the brand I'm building, the story I'm telling, the content I'm creating? Mm -hmm. Because we're seeing a lot of them struggle to, to move audiences. Yeah. So I think the reward structure is, is important. But that leads us to our next question, Colin. Let's hit it. Sup guys, Meta just rolled out Meta Verified for the US, which is the subscription service that gives you the blue check, increased security, a customer hotline, and most importantly, increased reach. And I'm a short form creator and reels have been really good to me, pun absolutely intended. And I don't wanna pay for a blue check, but I feel like I'm being sort of forced to. Content creation is my full-time job now. I primarily post on Instagram and TikTok, so I feel like I need the increased reach, but it seems like a cheat code, so I feel sort of uneasy about it. Oh yeah, and it's $15 a month. I know it's a write-off, but still, that seems pretty high. Would love to hear your thoughts on it, and I swear I was wearing this hat anyway before I heard the news. I didn't just put it on for the video. But this one I just put on for the video. <laughs> okay, this guy's if you awesome. are, if you are yeah. listening, he oh, was, was wearing our blue press publish hat and then switched to the white and blue one. Okay, so uh, th this is from Phil Hates Gluten on our subreddit. Uh, great question here. It's a really pivotal moment in the creator economy. Like, I, I opened Instagram... And I sent this in our company Slack and, and, and we'll put it up on the screen if you're watching. But the first thing I saw was a thing that said, you know, get a verified badge and join Meta Verified. Yeah. And what's interesting is they're, they're luring us in or selling us on the badge, right? Which has become social mm -hmm. proof. It's still residual. Like I'm very confused on Twitter or, you know, and it's going to get more confusing on Instagram now Yeah. that the blue check means something completely different all of a sudden because we're so trained that it means like a, a notable person yeah like it was hard for them to earn this you know and now you can buy it so they're, they're kind of like leading with that the blue check is like okay that's interesting i could buy that but the most important things that he just said are expand the most important thing i would say is expanded reach yeah that is what we're doing here yeah. is finding audiences so yeah it really again is this shift from okay i used to provide interesting video content to this platform and it would connect with audiences. I've grown an audience and now I need to pay to reach the audience mm -hmm. that I've grown. And that's exactly what happened with brands on Instagram and, and Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. They, you know, when those platforms first launched, they were really welcoming to brands saying, Hey, come here, use our platforms to market, to find yeah. new audiences. And then once they did, they said, Hey, by the way, now you're going to have to pay us to target the audience that you had already found. Yes. Like, you, you, basically, it's it's qualifying, like, yes, people are on this platform who are interested in you, but you can't just reach them. 
Yeah. You got to pay to reach them, mm-hmm. um, which is the, the ads model. I think they, like all the platforms have recognized that, you know, if the advertising market doesn't work, the platforms don't work anymore. And you turn the content creators who are now small business owners, right? Like mm-hmm. we have, we have changed now from being like fun content creators who are just kind of like making cool stuff on the platform to small business owners. Mm-hmm. We're all small business owners. And he even said I know it's a write-off. It's a write-off. Like that's yeah. different language it's than different if you're language. just like yeah, having it, fun in the park shooting you're, videos totally. you're not thinking about. You're a small business owner. And now, you know, 15 bucks a month to run to, for the thing that allows you to run your business is absolutely worth it. I mean, think about what we pay for, like paying for Slack. Yeah, totally. Right? That's in the hundreds, right? And, and um, paying for QuickBooks or paying for Shopify. Mm-hmm. Like these are, that's small business software. And now platforms are turning into small business software. And like that is, that is a whole business that you're watching platforms attempt new business models in real time. I remember there was some outrage when Twitter announced that creators would have to pay. Yeah. And while it is unfortunate and it is annoying and it maybe will deter some people from being creators on those platforms, I always just sit back at the end of the day and think, what's their platform? Yeah. That's a privately owned platform platform. It's a publicly owned platform here. Like yeah, yeah. they get to make the decisions and we have to play by their rules. It just yeah. is what it is. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't want to sit here and say like, we're helpless. Like they, they can just do sure, whatever they sure. want. But in a way, like when you get into it on these platforms, they run the show. Well, if we're no longer, if we're no longer valuable to them in the context of advertising, then the only reason is for, like, then they essentially are creating a software for us, right? That we yeah. get to access to then access an audience so we can build our business. Like that's the reality. If, if their ads model doesn't work anymore, then yeah, of course they have to charge us. And what I'll say to Phil hates gluten <laughs> is the way to safeguard this is again, to try and build a brand yeah. that lives off platform. I, th- I think this is why creator newsletters are getting more popular. Like you know, I think we launched our newsletter pretty early in this, but I'm seeing a lot more happen. We launched ours on, on, a, uh, or we run ours on a platform called Beehive. So if you're a creator and you want to check that out, we'll put mm-hmm. the link in the description. We're also investors in Beehive. Um, and we invested in that company because I believe that newsletters are a great space for you, uh, to own your audience. It's, it's a permission-based environment, meaning like the audience has subscribed to the newsletter and given mm-hmm. you permission to say like, I'd like to receive stuff from you and it will come into my inbox and there's no algorithm between us. I would say the same goes for discords. Yeah. Uh, for totally. Patreons, like membership groups for yeah. paid courses. These are environments where people have said, you don't need to interrupt me on a for you right. page. Right, right, right. I'm here for you. Yeah. So I think that's going to become you. increasingly more popular now. Cause like you, no matter what, if you're a creator, you're going to have to, and, and you, have found audience on these platforms. This is your top funnel. If you are running a business, 15 bucks a month, you're going to have to pay for it. We're going to pay for it. Most businesses are going to pay for it. I assume that Instagram and some of these other platforms are going to tear this out and companies are going to have to pay a lot more money, you know, like, Mm. because to charge a fortune 500 company, $15 a month is absurd. If you're sitting in the meta boardroom right now, you're like, what are we going to charge them 15 bucks a month? Like they, they run a multi-million dollar solo creator. Yeah. That's an extra expense and they can probably handle it. It's yeah. annoying. If you're Nike and you're in the social department. Yeah. They're going to charge Nike 15 bucks a month. Way more than that. They'll pay thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to reach yeah. people on these platforms, right? So that is definitely going to happen where it's, I think it's going to be tiered out. This is, this is a tweet from Elon Musk. Starting April 15th, only verified accounts will be eligible 
to be in for you recommendations. This is the only realistic way to address advanced AI bot swarms taking over. It is otherwise a hopeless losing battle. Voting in polls will require verification for the same reason. This is now like multiple levels of yeah. interest. Like that as AI that, continues yeah. to rise, it's going to be tougher to know who's a real human or not. Yeah. The reality is to close the loop on this question. I think if you're running a business on these platforms, think of it in the context of some of the other software you use, potentially like Slack, QuickBooks. Yeah. You got to pay for it. If this is where your yeah. business runs, you pay for it and you adjust. But it's time to value uh, tighter knit audiences and and moving them into places that you just have more, you know, ownership and control over. And I would also say lastly, like YouTube has been a pretty stable platform in this context. Mm -hmm. They have a clear cut incentive structure where like, if we drive more viewership, we participate in the advertising that they sell. Yeah. It's the only platform really where when they win, we win. So long as that model remains yeah. working for YouTube, it's a great relationship. And like, and that's it, primarily a long form content model. I'm not yeah, necessarily it's, talking it's not about short. shorts because yeah. shorts have yet to be really determined. Yes, yes. You know, how you make money, how much you can make. Yeah. You make long form YouTube content that people want to watch and you're rewarded for it because they have a business model that supports that. And like that is, I think will become, YouTube will become increasingly more challenging to make it on because it's more competitive as everyone moves from these other platforms onto YouTube. Um, but also I think will emerge as the leader because they have a model that, that is just working. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, at least I think it's working. <laughs> it seems like it's working. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's a lot to learn here right now in this moment, but I think you really have to take a step back and be like, how am I building as a creator right now? Do I have a space for my audience and me to hang? Even if it's smaller, value that if it's more intimate, that's okay. If you own it, it's better. You know, what else we got? Another video question from Joe Hickson. Before we get to this question, can I ask you a question? Talking to me? Yeah. Please. Is there a movie that you have not seen that in conversation you've told people that you've seen? That you've pretended that Come you've on, seen? Come on, am I human? Yeah, yeah okay, absolutely. What, what movie is that for you? Uh, there's, a, there's a ton. Honestly, <laughs> I'm a big time liar in that situation. Yeah, yeah. You got me, I'm guilty. Yeah, like, yeah. And I won't say, yeah, I've seen it. Okay. I'll just nod and go... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not yeah. like a full confirmation. Yeah, it's yeah. just like a No, everyone's done it. It's just it, a, what, I'm here with you in the conversation and I'm not trying to like Is there a big one that you're like, oh wow, I've told people I've seen that, but I've definitely not seen that? Mm. I'll tell you why. Okay, I thought okay. Of this probably question, like but, yeah. The Godfather in full. Okay. Yeah. But that's reasonable. That's very long. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. reasonable. Um for me, okay. I was on the plane. We were on the plane back from Dallas last week, and I was looking for a movie to watch. Now I typically just end up watching The Office on the plane, which is crazy because I've seen The Office so many yeah, times. But it's your comfort watch and you yeah, don't like a, to fly. It's so. a comfort watch. Yeah. yeah. So I start scrolling through the movies and I come across Slumdog Millionaire. Okay. I've never seen that movie. All right. I've told many people that I've seen that really? movie. Really? Yeah. Why'd you tell people you've seen that it's, movie? Because it's expected. It's like, of course Samir's seen Slumdog Millionaire, mm. you know? But Is that why it? you didn't watch it? You're like, hey, yeah, don't, exactly. don't put me in a box. Yeah, because I'm like, it's I, like... What do I care? I haven't seen Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, I mean, I just never saw it. And, and it's kind of crazy yeah, to me. that's unfair that of people it. to think that. But I feel like I had to get it off my chest. Okay. I've never seen the movie. I'm glad that you If I've told it. you, if I've had a conversation with you about mm. this, about Slumdog. Yeah. And I've been able to engage in that conversation because I'm... I don't think you should ever watch it. Stick it to the man. 
I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. I ended up watching The Social Network for the seventh time. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs something new? <laughs> okay, this question comes. <laughs> I got a question. Yeah. You ever seen Simon Birch? Old what? school movie. No. All right, moving on. This question comes from Joe Hickson. Hey, guys. YouTube is becoming stale. Everything feels like everything. It's hard for me to even click on a thumbnail right now because I know what the video is going to be about. And I've been thinking a lot about what creators and YouTube can do to better encourage more bespoke content on the platform. For example, Retinlink, they recently put out a video of them digging a hole. It's a creative masterpiece. This is exactly what I want to be doing. And there's no- oh, I love that for you. <laughs> and clearly took a lot more time than their daily Good Mythical Morning stuff. And from a business perspective, it probably doesn't make financial sense. However, from a consumer end, from an audience perspective, I would much rather see YouTube as a platform just filled with this more bespoke premium styled content. I guess my question is, what can creators do to make creating more premium content financially feasible without being reliant on things like fan funding? And how would you like to see YouTube evolve to better encourage more bespoke content on the platform? Where's, where's uh, the accent from, you think? Samir, could you just break that question down? Because all I sure. heard was bespoke. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. so the, like the, vocab word of the day. Bespoke. Right. So uh, what Joe is asking is, first of all, Rhett and Link's video about them digging a hole is fantastic. Everyone should go watch that. They also just crossed 5 million on their, their main channel, which they lost the password for. Very funny scenario. And I love those guys. They're very creative. I'm so happy they made a video on that channel. Um, what he's asking is like, that video took them a lot of time, has no connection to their regular business, doesn't have a sponsor on it doesn't really, nothing is, there, there, from a from an entrepreneurial perspective, nothing feels like it makes sense about that video. But from a consumer perspective of like an audience member, it's creative, it's fun, it's great to watch. It's bespoke. It's bespoke. It okay. doesn't connect to the rest of the Retinlink world. Um, so the question is like, that's lovely and fun, but it doesn't seem to make sense. How can that happen more? And is there anything YouTube can do to help usher in a wave of like just creative, interesting videos. Okay, so this has a lot to do with experimentation. Yes. I think, um, first of all, what's fantastic about the video is that it came out of nowhere and it's fun and it's new and it's different. And there's something about the scarcity of that that makes it enjoyable. Um, but I think the second thing is Rhett and Link are two guys who have been in this business for over 15 years and who have built a company, a substantial company um, around creating media. And they make a almost, you know, daily show. Um, now it's, you know, uh, it, it, multiple times a week, Good Mythical Morning, that operates like an engine. When we were there with them, if you haven't seen our studio tour on our main channel with them, it's, it's fantastic. It teaches you a lot about how to build a modern media company. They have a staff that helps them produce that show. That show is their engine. That show has sponsors. That show drives the business. That show comes out no matter what. Mm -hmm. When we talked to Link about the fact that they hadn't missed an episode in 10 years, he was like, yeah, it's a show. Shows don't miss. You show up to work. You know your script. You're prepared. You sit down and you deliver mm -hmm. and it comes out no matter what. That's a show. And that engine is producing media. And I think that's a really important thing for creators to recognize that if you're going to 
you're going to make this career financially viable, there's going to be a component of it that's like, what's the thing that's consistent for you that mm-hmm. you can do no matter what that's commercially viable, that people will pay for, that people will watch. And before you're full-time creator, that may be another job. That might be that another, may be job. another source yeah, what, of income. Just a- ask yourself the question, what's the engine where on a weekly basis you're getting you know, a check, there's something consistent happening that gives you the foundation to then go do something unreasonably creative. In terms of what YouTube, the platform, can do, I've brought this up before, but I think that they should have some sort of staff pick section to the website, very similar to Vimeo. Yeah. The Vimeo staff pick held weight culturally. Sure, yeah, it was cool. You know, whatever they chose. Mm -hmm. And it was, they did not choose things that would work algorithmically today. Yeah. And I would love to see YouTube do a similar type of thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know who gets to choose what is a staff pick, but I would love to see a section that's curated not by, you know, what is going to work algorithmically, but yeah. by what has some real artistic integrity is unique. Is but does different. YouTube care about that? I think they should. I think, think they so? should. Yeah. I think they should continue to encourage artistic, uh, exploration, exploration. And while they of course want people to find what algorithmically works and stick to it until the end, yeah, I think they risk, you know, similar to, you know, in that question, it was like Colin and Samir, Inception, creator support Inception, where we were talking about how YouTube is stale. (laughs) I think YouTube risks that um, and should continue to be a place for artists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think... um, Because it is a place for artists. Like, artists are uploading amazing work to YouTube. It may not be finding the type of viewership that media makers are finding and some content creators are making, but the art is there. It is a democratic platform to upload things the same way that TikTok, Instagram, and, and all these platforms are. But I think they could do a better job of mm. showing people that some of that stuff exists and it yeah. lives there, even if it's not commercially viable. I think you have to just really explore the difference between media and art. Like, and that's, that's an important distinction where, you know, media is consistent. Uh, it's, it's, it's a format that can be replicated. Uh, it's, it's a format that's commercially viable that people want to sponsor or pay for. That's, that's making media and you can build a team around making media. We talked about this last week. Um, and when it comes to making art, it's inspired by who knows, you know, you just kind of like let your mind wander and be like, Ooh, I want to make that. I want to express that. And that's a very different system. And I think just as a creator, you should think about that. There's some creators who don't care about making art, don't make art, you know, but other creators who like, I would say personally, I'm craving that, that, that space to express. But I also think like, I was, I was thinking about this, um, you know, we posted a short form clip about like the Naval quote of like, your mistake is your writing to be read. I have a journal where I just write stuff in it. And if anyone read this journal, they would think I'm like crazy. Cause I just write like whatever comes to mind and no rhyme or reason to it. I'm just mm-hmm. writing. And I think like that is whenever I'm doing that regularly, I feel like I'm satisfied from an artistic perspective of like, I'm getting these thoughts out of my head. Yeah, you so, don't care who sees it. Yeah, I don't care who sees it. I, I, actually, probably no one will see it ever. And uh, I think like having a space like that allows you to explore what type of unreasonable artistic expressions you want to have. Like I know Rhett and Link, um, just to pull it back to them, they have like creative sessions together where they they travel sometimes or they stay in their office, which is beautiful, and just like stay one night a week, they said they like stay late yeah. at night and just like think of ideas and they allow themselves to have those. I think they said they slept over. They slept they over. They used to have yeah. sleepovers. Yeah, at the office. Where they would just stay at the office all night. 
But I love that. I think that's really cool. You like, trying to like sleep over at the office or something? Yeah, man. This okay. place is great. I cool. love to sleep here. All right. All right. Here we go. Got a question from the subreddit. This comes from you slash. I can't read it, Colin. Okay. But you'll see his face or hear his voice. Hi, Colin. It's Mayor. My name is Patrick. Uh, last year, I started a coffee business um, called Charlie's Coffee Co. Um, I run like a little coffee cart here in Santa Cruz on the weekends and roast all of my own coffee. Um, and I've been trying to document that process and create content around it to, um, you know, let people know what it's like to do something like that and document like the journey that I've really kind of been on with doing this, um, from scratch. And I just have a question for you. If you know of any brands or have any tips for kind of how to do those two things together, I feel like most creators will, um, build an audience and then like do merch and do businesses after that. Um, but am I crazy for doing those together? Um, and if you have any tips or know of any, like I said, creators who are doing something similar, because right now it just feels like it's double the time and like quadruple the cost of doing them separately. Um, anyway, thanks so much for all of the great content and hope you guys are doing well. Let me know if you want some coffee, uh, and I'll send you guys a bag or two. Always would love some coffee um, and also go banana slugs. Um, now. Is anyone doing this right now? I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of people doing this, documenting their entrepreneurial journey. I would just say that if you're feeling like it's double the time, you need to figure out like a, a space where the story just kind of like can, can come out with the least amount of friction. Mm -hmm. So don't assume video first. If video is like taking you too much time, then take a step back and go, could it be done through audio? Could it be done through writing a newsletter? Could it be done through tweeting? Like g start going down the list and being like, what's the least amount of friction to, to, to tell the story and to start? Because if it's taking you double the amount of time, then like, and you don't want to do it, if you're like uh, falling out of love with it, then just you don't need to do it. You know, it could even be like telling the story at a farmer's market once a week. Like you could start with live storytelling and then build up as the company grows. I think Jesse Sebastiani at Sunday is someone who's, tracking his entrepreneurial journey in a cool way. And obviously we, we recently interviewed him and that's coming to the main channel, but um, he's doing it like in a documentary style. And I know he's like weeks ahead, but it's, mm -hmm. it's not easy to do that. That's like you're, you're filming and editing documentary. Like that's not easy. All right. Here's an idea. Okay. Take it or leave it. Okay. You set up a couple of phones, one on you, one on the uh, people who are coming up to buy coffee, put mm -hmm. a little sign up on mm -hmm. maybe like one day a week is a filming day and you put a sign up like, hey, just so you know, I'm filming and film interactions between you and the customers. And similar to what's happening on TikTok right now, people coming up to people being like, hey, how much rent do you pay? Or what mm -hmm. do you do for a living? You could ask some sort of question of like, how do you like your coffee? Granted, yeah. this is not like the origin story or the rise of the company, but yeah. I think people will uh, see some of these interactions and see the growth of like people who are waiting in line. And I just think that could be a, potential format that works for you where you film once a day yeah, and put out, you could have uh, a week worth of, of videos yeah. if you film once a day. And then if the goal too is to have people come into the shop, they may see those videos and be like, oh, I want to go have a conversation with that guy. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. that barista is a personality mm. that is infectious. Yeah. And so if I live in that area, if, I'm, true. if I'm driving yeah. through that area, I want to go to that coffee shop. Yeah, I like that. I would just reduce... Yeah, the friction. If that's easy for you and fun, then do that. 
Yeah. You know, like if it can be edited on your phone, great. Like whatever parts of it, write down for you, what are the parts of content creation you don't want to be doing? And then just make sure you're not building a successful content series, mm -hmm. doing something you hate like that. That's just, you just don't want to do that. So just figure out what like the least amount of friction is. Um, you just brought up TikTok, and I figure I feel like at the beginning of the show we didn't answer the question. Like, do we like do you think it's gonna get banned? Man, um I don't. You don't. I think, you know, there initially was talks of Microsoft buying it, right? And having yeah. like a US version. I think if that was even on the cards, if that was even remotely in the cards back then, I would imagine that's something that could happen today. I know Mark D'Amelio. Mm said that he was oh, trying yeah. to raise money to yeah, buy TikTok. To buy and whether he can do it or not, yeah. I don't know. But if that is something that people are... Honestly, great marketing move from Mark. Yeah, like, yeah, I, should we yeah, announce that yeah, we're going to buy... Yeah. Hey, just say, hey, yeah. everyone, we are actually we, going to buy TikTok. We're going to buy Twitter. Sure. Just once you say that, like, we're considering buying <laughs> we're Twitter. Considering, everyone's like, wait, We're heavily much? considering and raising the funds right now to purchase TikTok. Like, how much money do those guys have? Or how well connected are they? Yeah. It's, it's such a, it's such a uh, cool move from Mark D'Amelio. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, I think if that's yeah. a possibility, uh, sure, maybe that will happen and a U.S. company will uh, buy TikTok and it'll exist. It'll be different, yeah. but, you know. But if I'm, if I'm YouTube or Meta, like, I would be like, hey, we're a U.S. company that has the same TikTok feed. Can you just send people over here? You know, like, oh, can, can you I mean, just, you'd can have you to just believe, get rid right? of this thing? I don't even, I don't know, but you'd have to believe that there are lobbyists being paid. Yeah, I mean, look. To, get, to lobby against TikTok sure. in the so, hopes that all of that business will find its way to an American company, YouTube. TikTok was banned in Meta. India. Like, TikTok did get banned in India. YouTube shorts, massive in India. Mm -hmm. Hey. Hey. Could run the same play. <laughs> could run the same play here. And revenue sharing on YouTube shorts, again, like the incentive structure is a little bit more clear cut. Mm-hmm. I think that there's, like, I think, I don't know if actually what people want is a U.S. company owning TikTok or a pre-existing U.S. company getting the business, the book of business of TikTok, mm. you know, like that, that if, uh, obviously like that's what the U.S. companies want. All I'm going to say is keep the clips from the hearings coming. Yeah. Because the they clips, are They're so good. Dynamite. Oh my God. Marquez uh, tweeted when the, when the, at the, in the congressional hearing, when the guy's asking about if TikTok access his, his Wi-Fi. Yeah. Unbelievable. And Marquez tweeted like at this point, this congressional hearing is just tech support. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. so good. Like it's so strange to watch politicians try and engage with like try and talk about something that they clearly don't use very often or don't can't wrap their heads around what it is or how it works. It shows me what it would be like if my dad was asking the CEO of TikTok <laughs> questions. I fully understand it now. Like that's yeah. what it would be. A guy who still signs off every text Dad. dad. Oh, yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah. The best is when your dad like will leave a, a voicemail and, and leave his <laughs> phone number, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like again, if you know, yeah. just going to say it one more time, it's three one zero. Hey Colin, yeah. it's dad. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You know, I'm Got listening it. to the voicemail. Yeah. I know. I know your voice. And then like, yeah. Weather over here in New Jersey is good. <laughs> it's sunny. It's about 76 <laughs> degrees. I see it's also 76 over in LA. Mm -hmm. All right. Love you. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're in the deep end right now. I just want to share one quick gripe. Mm -hmm. um, when you're taking a group photo and you smile and the person behind the camera goes, now a silly one. Uh, I, it's just, it kills me because I'm like, what is this supposed to be? Mm. What? It, you took improv, you can't, you can't get a little silly? 
But what's the silly one going to be? Mm. Like, what's no, it? I know. What are we I creating? I feel that way too, What are we yeah. creating together right now? Got no it. one's on the same page. How are we going to monetize this photo? <laughs> but like, what are we making? Who's the is audience? This, is this the one we want or is the one we just took the one we want where we smiled? Mm. You know, like the, the purpose yeah. of us Why coming together doing the silly and side hugging each other to take this photo was just to have a photo together to remember this moment. Why do we need the silly one? Okay. Not to be like the curmudgeon yeah, old man. I, I don't but know. Like, I think it's like. You like it? What's, show me, your, show me the face you I do. I don't. When, I'm not going to do that here show, now. No way. Give me a silly one. No, you give me a silly one. I'm, I, I know you nothing. Get out of here with Dude, you. I've gotten to the point now when people say it, I just continue smiling. Huh. Yeah. I always go like. Yeah, that is your You know, just point. Yeah. And then like yeah, make my eyes good. real wide. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you see the law that was just signed in Utah? Was it signed? So I don't know if it's going to go into effect or not, but if it does, it means that children under the age of 18 have to get their parents' permission to use social media in general, and then they also have to get it between the hours of 10.30 p.m. and 6.30 a.m. And there's a lot of articles coming out that say that, like, this is only the beginning. That's Wait, something that between, could happen they, they in other states. They can use it between 10.30 p.m. and 6.30 a.m.? Yeah, they, like, you need an extra level of... Oh, 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 of... So, of, like, you have yeah. to ask your parents, right? Can I use How do they social? verify your age? I have no idea. Because the thing is, like, social platforms, you just put in any age. And kids are just going to get around it anyway. Yeah, just get around it. Right? But, I don't know, interesting. Under 18, you have to have your parents' permission to use social media, and then again, you have to get their permission between the hours of 10.30 and 6.30 because of the fact that social media platforms, wow. like, may be harming this is all changing children's so mental health. It's all changing. Did you see the AI-generated Kanye West? I did. That was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Let's play a little clip of it. Because if you haven't seen that, pretty freaky. You might notice that I sound like Kanye West. No, Yeezy didn't record a voiceover for me for this video. I didn't learn how to do impressions. This is AI. So let me come back to my original voice for a second because this is crazy. And keep in mind, this is the worst that AI will ever be. But um, things are going to move very, very fast over the next two years. You're going to be listening to songs by your favorite artists that are completely indistinguishable. You're not going to know whether it's them or not. And I'm just starting to think of all the good, all the bad that's going to come out of this. I think the most impactful thing is the copy in the tweet, that this is as bad as it will ever be. Yes. That's crazy. That's crazy. But what matters now if you can just AI generate someone? Like what, what, what matters as an artist? Because obviously we can recognize that sounds like Kanye, which is important because that means he has a brand that's substantial enough and recognizable enough that we can, mm -hmm. we can understand that. So it's at this point, if all that's going to be recreated, what matters is that you get to a point where you are recognizable enough to be recreated. I guess so. Right? Like, Did you see the image of the Pope in the puffy coat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was real. I knew that wasn't real. I thought there it was, was real. There was no possible way he was wearing that jacket. He's a cool Pope. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Creator Support. If you have more questions, you can hit us up on Reddit. You can hit us up on Twitter. You can post a comment here on this YouTube video if you're watching. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.